Stephanie here. I had a really good conversation with Todd over my best friend's exorcism by Grady Hendrix, but letting listeners know it will be a very spoiler-heavy episode we are going to talk about every aspect of the book. Uh, Also letting you know there are mentions of rape, sexual assault, and unfortunately, the dog does die in this one. Welcome to a special episode of Books in the Freezer, a podcast dedicated to the deliciously disturbing world of horror fiction. I'm your host, Stephanie, and joining me today is Todd Schlosser from The Horror Virgin. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. Yeah, actually, the horror virgin yeah, well, of the Horror Virgin podcast. That is actually not my favorite way to be introduced, just because I don't really love being associated with that. But I, I mean, like everybody since the podcast is... At least you call me the horror virgin. Let's just say that. Most people call me the virgin from the horror virgin podcast. <laughs> so I guess this is a step up, you know? Yeah. I narrowed it down a bit. <laughs> so for listeners that don't know, what is the horror virgin podcast? So I do not like scary movies. I don't really like horror as a genre in general. And I know what you're thinking. Why is Stephanie interviewing this idiot? And we'll get to that. But the podcast is all about uh, my co-hosts, Jen and Mikey, who love horror, making me watch sort of the scariest and the funniest and like uh, all that horror as a genre has to offer. And then we pretty much make fun of me and the movies for, you know, an hour and a half, two hours. So since you started, what's been like a surprise favorite for you? Oh, I mean, so... It, it, well, I've, I've only seen like three or four horror movies before we started the podcast. So I thought it was just all jump scares and just very, very scary, intense stuff. And I've actually enjoyed seeing more of like the action horror movies like Alien or I mean, in the, the horror comedies I really loved like, uh, you know, Cabin in the Woods. And I think my favorite's probably Tucker and Dale versus Evil or a sleeper. And that's the uh, behind the mask, the, the rise of Leslie Vernon, who I have a special love for the main character, Nathan, in that movie. Like we, we have like a little bromance brewing on Twitter and I have threatened if COVID ever ends and I can go to LA again, I'm going to go and we're going to have a run together. Just me oh, awesome. and, and Leslie Vernon running through a park <laughs> in LA. I can't wait. Uh, <laughs> and so what's been the roughest viewing experience? Um, the third movie we did for the podcast was hereditary. And it is the scariest movie I have ever seen to date. We started off with Exorcist and Exorcist was like billed as like the scariest movie or whatever. And it was scary. It scared me. And I know it probably is silly to most people, but it it did scare me. And then I was like, if that's the worst it gets, I'll be okay. Like I'll make it through this. And then we saw Hereditary in the theater. And I literally at one point, and I don't want to spoil anything, but like there's a naked man misdirection and then something <laughs> runs at one of the main characters like from the fireplace. You know what I'm talking about? 
Yeah. So I literally stand up and yelled, fuck, in the theater. <laughs> and then I sit back down slowly. And it's a really intense scene. So, like, she, oh, I don't want to ruin it. So, like, there's, like, a, a little bit more of an intense moment. And then the tension starts to die down. Uh, and then I legit hear people in pockets, like, laughing around me. And that's honestly, if people ask me what my podcast is, like, that's the the best description I can give for it. There's going to be some scares, but mainly it's just like talking about the movies and making fun of me for being scared. But yeah. That's a rough one. They threw you right in the deep end for that. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the story I usually don't tell is when we went to uh, the pod loft to record. We actually recorded at a different pod loft than we do now because now we record at Jen's. But um, we got there and all the lights were off and I was the first one in the room and I didn't know where the light switch was, but the room we were in had a huge Spider-Man in the corner and I didn't realize it. So, you know, like it was like a life-size Spider-Man. Cause oh, wow, like, yeah. Like, and if you remember when he wakes up right before that <laughs> intense moment, she's in the corner, like floating above him. So I like, I literally, this is so embarrassing, Stephanie. <laughs> I I literally am like feeling around for the light and they, they hear me like hitting the walls and they're like, what are you doing? It's like, turn on the lights. And they're like, what are you actually scared? I get, I literally yell, turn on the goddamn lights. Like I was so scared that, uh, you know, and of course we just made fun of me the whole time. And, but that, that is the scariest movie I've ever seen by far. I think I'd have to agree with you on that. Yeah. It's so intense. And just the the grief and stuff. It's so sad and intense and scary. It's like it hits on so many levels. It's very effective. So we decided to do an episode over a book. Yeah. yeah. And I have been and very so public about this on social media that I do not read. Like I just I'm very busy and I don't have time to read. Um, and I'm super dyslexic. So like, it's, it's honestly hard for me to read. So the one stipulation I had when you asked me to do this was it, there has to be an audiobook. And we did make that happen. So yes. we put out a poll and we kind of opened it up to suggestions. And I think there was like 20 something books that people suggested <laughs> and then they voted. Yeah. And then it finally got narrowed down to my best friend's exorcism by Grady yes. Hendrix. Yes. And honestly, I was thrilled. My girlfriend had read it and it was yeah. like, it was like her bath book. Like she would read it while she was at the bath and like there would be candles. So I was, fam <laughs> I was familiar with it cause she would talk about it. So when that one won and man, it barely, it barely beat the shining. And I'm so glad it beat the shining <laughs> because the shining's like twice as long. Like that is like yeah. a huge time commitment. And honestly, I just don't know if I had the mental capacity to like really internalize and like be able to give like, eloquent feedback on what the shining offers <laughs> um, but i feel like my best friend's exorcism was perfect this one was when i was pulling for i was also pulling for um the cabin at the end of the world by paul tremblay oh yeah that's like scary it's a home invasion like oh horror novel so like i read it i was stressed out like i had to pace like around my room and like calm down now when you're <laughs> so pacing are you also like holding the book reading walking around or do you like you like put it down? You're like, hang on, yeah, I need no. a moment from you. I'll be back, yeah. and you just walk around. I had to set it down and just like. <laughs> <oof>. <laughs> I I mean I get that. Like with some of these movies, like we we've watched a few movies, even in the pod loft, because when we go see them in the theater, you can't pause it. But I I'll ask him like, can we pause it for a second? Because this is like affecting me. I think that's like we we'll do we used to do meetups before you know the pandemic hit, and I think the 
people that would come to the meetups were most surprised that I actually am scared of these movies. <laughs> like, I think most people think that it's like an act or a put on or a gimmick or whatever. And it is a great gimmick, but it's, it is also true. <laughs> Uh, and, and honestly, there were times when I was listening to this book that really like, like it was more grossed me out. There were like, there weren't really any jump scares, but it like grossed me out. Okay. So let's get into first thoughts. What'd you think? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. Um, I felt like it held tension very well. I, I also felt like it did a really good job of sort of showing you where it was going and taking you there, but not in a, oh, I knew that was coming sort of a way, but in a. I'm along for the ride. Let's do this. This is going to be great sort of a way, you know, and that's a fine line to walk. You can telegraph things too much and you're like, oh, well, that's definitely a tapeworm. We know what that's going to be. Right. <laughs> but like we don't, you know, and I don't feel like it was telegraphed to that point where it was boring finishing it. So I liked it a lot. I thought it was really good. It was really effective. And it wasn't as scary as I think it could have been, which I appreciated. <laughs> Yeah, it has its moments. I think it does a good job of kind of balancing everything while kind of at the forefront being about this friendship. Yeah. And that kind of still being the main theme throughout with all of these scary things. And then every time I read it, I do cry at the end. Like the last chapter makes me like, <laughs> man. Yeah. And OK, so I listened to this on the way back from Asheville. I went to visit my mom and <laughs> I'm like watching or listening to it in, in the car on the way back and my girlfriend's asleep. My brother's asleep. And of course they wake up as we're finishing it and I'm like crying and they're like, are you okay? <laughs> I mean, Natalie knew, knew what was going on because she's read it before, but my brother Brandon in the back was like, what's happening right now? <laughs> but it is really sad. They don't make it to Haley's comment, but they stay friends forever. Like it, it, it is a really, it is a really sweet story. Not to spoil anything. Do you spoil things here? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, since we're going to be covering the whole book. I would hate, like, if, like, a thousand people just went, this asshole just spoiled it. <laughs> people shouldn't listen to episodes about books. They are not ready to be right? fully spoiled. Right? This is my first, um, yeah, no, this is my first experience with Grady Hendrix. I, I don't know that I've ever read anything by him or even consumed his sort of intellectual property if they've made TV shows or whatever out of it. Um, but I really, I, th I think it was great. It was very well written. I don't know that I can say this, so maybe I'll defer to you, but I feel like he wrote young girls. Well, I don't know if that's the case, but it felt authentic to me in a way that I, you know, don't have firsthand knowledge of. So you, it's probably easier to fool me than it would be easier to fool you. If that makes sense. I didn't have a problem with it. And that usually is something I, pick up on yeah like when they're written poorly and as far as i know like all of his novels have female protagonists and i really haven't had issues with any of them oh yeah so his new book that came out the southern book club's guide to slaying vampires is also set in charleston <laughs> is he from is charleston or is he from that area i think originally okay and so it's in the 90s but it's in gretchen's suburb Oh, so is it like a shared universe then? Yeah. Okay, that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, so it's about this like true crime, like mom book club in the 90s. Like a strange guy rolls up into town and he might be a vampire. Right. He he also might just be like, you know, very sexy Chris Sarandon in a sweater. Like nobody <laughs> knows. I mean, I bet Jen would know because she's super into sweaters, but I, I bet she'd be Sweater willing to watch, investigate. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And then he has uh, We Sold Our Souls, which is about, like, a metal band. Okay, that's sort of my uh, 
Like I grew up playing music in Nashville, so yeah, I, I you know I was in a metal band at one point in high school. That was horrible. <laughs> that one is like a Faustian bargain. Like the lead singer of the band sold all of his bandmates souls for success can you do that like did he have their buy-in like did he i don't think he owned no. them to begin with okay no. was there like a simpsons type like donut situation where he like obtained all their souls for a donut and then he <laughs> sold them like i have a lot of questions let's get grady on the phone okay what were the terms of this <laughs> yeah yeah i want to know the deets i just feel like those three other members assuming there were four to begin with I feel like that's a contract they could get out of. I feel like the lead singer is probably screwed, but like the rest of the band might be all right. Well, it's the the one girl's quest to kind of get out of this contract that she's just discovered that she's been in. So. <laughs> Ugh. And then his other, I think was his first book, Horror Store, was kind of about a haunted Ikea. Yeah, so um, I can't remember who I was talking to, but when I told them I was doing My Best Friend's Exorcism, they told me that they hadn't read it, but they loved the one about Ikea. So I did a little bit of research on that. It seemed like a pretty interesting, I guess, read. That one's really fun. All of his books are published by Quirk Publishing, and they put a lot of effort into, like, little Quirk's yeah. name in it's the It's not design, just a clever name, for, yeah. Yeah, so, like, a horror store, the chapter breaks are kind of like Ikea style instructions oh, yeah? and it's laid out <laughs> like an Ikea catalog. <laughs> That's awesome though. I, yeah. I like when people put that much level of detail oh, into yeah. what they do. It's not just, you know, words on a page, which in and of itself is enough. They actually go the extra mile and sort of try to suck you in with the, the book you're holding in your hand, which doesn't come across for people like me who don't read, <laughs> but would listen to an audiobook, you know? You could still just buy it afterwards. I've done that. Listen oh, have you? On audio and just own a copy just to have. Yeah. Well, as you wave around your My Best Friend's Wedding copy. <laughs> Are you at the point where like people will just send you books because they want you to talk about it? Authors reach out to me sometimes. Sometimes I reach out to yeah. like things that are coming out and I'm like, hey, I have a podcast. I'm going to talk about your book. It'd be cool <laughs> if you could just like send me a copy. <laughs> right. That would be re that would be really nice. Or do you want to hop on maybe a Skype call for five minutes while we talk about it? That sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> you got to hustle, man. I, I know that. I know that grind very well. So <clears> I do <throat> have some fun facts later on about the different editions of my yeah, so exorcism. So we're going to go through it sort of like the horror version. We're going to go, we're going to go through it. We're going to spoil it. And then at the end, we're going to have some fun facts. Steph's fun facts. Sorry. No, nor, normally it's Jen's fun facts, but. <laughs> <laughs> we also on Books in the Freezer employ a scary scale of a different kind. Really? Yes. Well, okay. It's a temperature scale. Oh, are we talking Fahrenheit or Celsius? Because I'm a dumb American and Celsius does not make any sense to me, although I am sure it is a by far superior system. I know every time I watch or I have friends post about the weather or I watch like a British cooking show, I'm like, I don't know what that means. I know. I went to the UK last year and I we, we would look up the temperature like to get dressed for the day. And I was just like, this is doing me no good. I'm just going to walk outside. <laughs> I don't know what it means. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, our scary scale is room temperature, fridge, or freezer. <gasps> oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, based on Joey and The Shining. So if it's real scary, it goes right into the freezer. Okay, I see where I see where the scale goes. I like this. I've seen The Shining. I know what's up. Although I know <laughs> I, I I realized having talked to Jen, who's one of our co-hosts, and is amazing. Um, she has a lot of love for The Shining, the book, and not a lot of love for Shining, the movie. So. <laughs> I, and 
I do remember <laughs> hearing that on the episode. <laughs> yeah, it's I, I love that episode so much because it's she she like lays mm-hmm. out the, the why you know she like like lays out the case and I I tend to agree with her like I I haven't read the the source material, but after hearing her passionate plea, I I get it, you know. Yeah, that's a good episode to start with if people are looking to get into the horror version. Oh, is it? I think so. I often ask what um you know people's first episode was at first impressions because I feel like that's a that's a good thing and honest or a good thing to know and honestly a lot of times they're like I started with x and x a thing and then I thought that Todd was like putting on an act and then I got 20 episodes in and I realized that that's just his personality and I feel bad for his girlfriend (laughs) (laughs) so I can answer that for me so my first episode what happened was I had rented the movie 13 ghosts oh no was that your first episode well i grew up going to the video store and kind of seeing the cover of it and it always intrigued me but i wasn't really allowed to watch scary movies so like i finally got around to renting it and i was very disappointed (laughs) i was angry (laughs) yeah i mean honestly it's and but you have like a lot of heavy hitters you got tony shalhoub you got matthew and as i call it lillard and like those are those are some big (laughs) names like those are some big names in horror too and it's just not a great movie. It was a fun movie to talk about, but it was it was a crazy movie. I know. But so I listened to like other podcasts and other people, I think, had more nostalgia yeah. for it and kind of talked about it in a nice way. And I'm like, no, I need someone to be angry like oh, I am man. angry. Right oh, man. Now. Yeah. I, and I remember being a little upset. <laughs> and that's how I found it. <laughs> and I was like. Thank you. Yes, it is ridiculous. It is so stupid. Why is she looking at herself in the mirror that way? Why is she washing her hands in a bathtub? Yeah. Why? Why There's a good sink next to her. She had to walk past it to get to the bathtub to wash her hands. So that was my first episode. And I was like, I like these people. (laughs) Yeah. Well, we just did a Cabin Fever episode, Eli Roth's first movie. And I was nervous because I hated it. Like, really hated it even from like a filmmaking perspective i feel like it fails uh and a lot of people really love that movie through like the lens of nostalgia so i was worried that i was gonna get a lot of blowback and all the people like in our facebook group who were like no it's a great movie after hearing the episode they were like i still love the movie but you're right it's not a good movie (laughs) so i feel a little vindication out of that but i think because i'm new to literally every movie we watch it sort of gets rid of that nostalgia factor, at least for, yes. you know, one third of the hosts, you know, because yeah, there's a lot of movies that are bad. But yeah, if I have that nostalgia, I'm like, I get it. But like Ghost Ship isn't that because <laughs> I saw it in theaters, <laughs> even though it's the same like 13 yeah. ghosts. It's like the same style it, as that. But because I have nostalgia for it, it gets a little. It is the ghosts. superior 13 ghosts, but it's on that same level. Yeah. So you guys need to finish it off and do House on Haunted Hill. I don't know anything about it, um, except for that it sounds a lot like Haunting of Hill House, but I have no idea anything about it, which is, I sort of try and not look into the movies that we're doing until we watch them. You know, I try not to watch trailers necessarily, not, I, I don't, I don't look them up and I even like, we have segments on our show and like one of the ones that I do is box office and I never look up the box office numbers until after I watched it. And man, some of them surprised me. I'm like, this made money. How did Cabinet Fever make money? But people are starved for good horror movies. Like they'll ooh, take a chance. Yeah. I think I read like a marketing book and it said that horror movies are the most profitable. Kind well, because of they're cheap to make. Like the uh, the return on investment yes. is 
can be huge, right? Like, I just know this because we just did the movie. Like, Cabin Fever was like a $1 million or $1.5 million budget. It was a horrible movie, and it made $30 million, you know? So you can make a bad horror movie, and it still make a lot of money. But, yeah. Should we should should we get into my best friend's exorcism? I forgot I forgot what we were doing here for a second. Yeah. Macmillan Audio presents His and Hers, the spine-chilling new audiobook from Alice Feeney, the best-selling author of Sometimes I Lie. There are two sides to every story, which means someone is always lying. His and Hers is a twisty, smart, and gripping tale of suspense told by expert narrators Richard Armitage and Stephanie Racine that will keep listeners guessing until the very end. Someone isn't telling the truth, and some secrets are worth killing to keep. Download His and Hers by Alice Feeney wherever audiobooks are sold. Right, so we're ready to talk yeah, about let's this do book. It. Okay. So it opens up and it says that Abby sees that the exorcist has died. So what did you think of that for like an Well, opening? I mean, I thought it was well, okay, and a lot of like pop culture does this. It'll start off and then it'll be like three <laughs> days earlier or what whatever, right? Yeah. So I, it's sort of a trope, if you can call it that, that I'm sort of used to. But I liked it. It got me to where okay, I see where this is going. I know what's going to happen. There's, I mean, obviously it's in the title. There's going to be an exorcist. And I know that the exorcist lives and I know that the main character lives, right? Because it's in the present. And then, you know, it, then, then we jump back to the eighties, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is a, a lot of eighties coming out. Yeah. It, it sort hard. of had, and I, I think it's, <laughs> to its credit, it had like sort of a stranger things ish vibe, which I like stranger things is one of those shows that I actually do watch. Because I feel like it's really good storytelling. But this sort of gave that vibe. And I really liked how all of the chapters were like songs that I grew up on. <laughs> so actually, we can do a fun fact oh. early. Fun fact is that Quirk has a Spotify playlist. Oh, yeah? Is it just all the chapter titles? Yeah. I think it might be. I didn't yeah. double check that. <laughs> so yeah, we hop back to the 80s and we see how Abby and Gretchen became friends. Yeah, this was so sweet. Yeah, Abby's birthday party. She was like 10. She was 10, right? She was like real young. Yep. And then Margaret was having oh. her horse party. Yeah. Got, yeah. After. Yeah. Every, so yeah. Abby, after. Abby invited everyone first, but she didn't have money like Margaret did. And Margaret had a legit horse, not a pony, a horse. What's a 10 year old going to do on a horse? Fall and probably hurt themselves. Anyway, but like. Because of that, all of the people go to Margaret's party. It is Margaret. Okay, yeah. Yes. All of the people go to... Yeah, it's the yeah. same Margaret. So, yeah, it's the same Margaret as the end, right? Yeah, so mm -hmm. everyone goes to Margaret's party except for Gretchen, who goes. Uh, and then <laughs> whose parents sort of force her to proselytize. <laughs> Which, honestly, I grew up super religious. And, like, when Gretchen had to give the Bible, and it is a had to, you could tell she felt bad about it. And I was like, oh, man, I've been there. I have been there. <laughs> I haven't been in that exact situation, but I did. There were so many instances in this with the like super religious parents where I'm like, I've been Gretchen. I yeah. get you, Gretchen. I, yeah, I've I feel bad there. for you. I know what that pain is like. Yeah, so she, yeah, hands her this Bible. Abby is so upset. She like runs to the bathroom and Gretchen 
kind of goes and tells her like I didn't want to give you that <laughs> yeah. Bible. Well, and there and Abby is like obsessed with ET, and Gretchen's like I wanted to get you this ET doll or something like that. It was some ET gift that would have been appropriate for a ten year old at this time, you know, and like. I think it was like 82 or something like that. It's early 80s. But yeah, so they, they just like become friends for life at this point. You know, they form that bond at 10 that never breaks no matter what happens. And not to spoil the end, I really love that last chapter, man. It is so, it's yeah. so realistic to like what happens to childhood friendships. You know, I loved it. Anyway, we'll yeah. get there. Sorry. Oh, and then at her party, the Tommy Cox, like the oh, older yeah. boy, runs into her while she's rollerblading and like splits her. Yeah, her being them. Abby. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Abby. <laughs> yeah. And I, it, it, she goes back to school the next day, right? And no one believes her. They're like, no, he wouldn't be at a roller skating rink or whatever. They're just like giving her shit. Uh, and then d- doesn't he show up? Am I remembering this correctly? He shows yeah. up and he yeah. like, oh, I'm sorry about your lip or whatever. And he like, you know, is chatting her up a little bit like you did in middle school which is you know not a lot and then he gives her a can of coke right yeah yep. for her lip and so yeah then margaret is like cannot yeah this. well yeah because margaret's like well sh- should we set up like the socioeconomics at play as well because it is sort of like abby yes. is like i don't want to say poor she's just, i would say she's like solidly middle class but everyone else is pretty wealthy like everyone else has money yeah but uh, so including oh, Gretchen. Yeah. She so had yeah, a horse Gretchen. at her party when she was 10. What what are you teaching a 10-year-old? Well, oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> I'm just so mad about the horse. Margaret, I think, is... I, I think out of their friend group, Margaret was, like, the wealthiest. Yeah. Like, she had the multiple properties. Oh, that's um, right. Yeah. But doesn't Gretchen... Ha- Gretchen, Gretchen does, too, though, because they go to... Yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. They use one of her other... Yeah, her like, lake yeah. house or whatever. Yeah. I want to have that kind of problem. Yeah. I would, like, listen. A Faustian bargain. Give me a lake house... You can possess me. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I've said that before for, like, the Amityville Horror. I'm like, listen, they got a nice yeah. house. It was on the lake. It had a boathouse. How did they afford that? Margot Kidder's a stay-at-home mom. Dreamy McDreamboat face, whatever his name was. I can't remember. Like, he didn't have, like, a real job. He had all that time to, like, I guess he owned a contracting company. But, like, come on. Anyway, I mean, it was a possessed house, but... It was the 70s, and they're like, uh, a brutal murder just happened here, and literally no one wants <laughs> to buy true. this house. That's so true. Do you, do you want to go ahead thing. and live here for a month and then make millions of dollars off a made-up story about how it's haunted? <laughs> Have you guys yeah. done that one yet? That's how I know That's how I know it was Margot Kidder and that the handsome 70s dreamboat guy. I can't remember his name. Oh, you haven't done the... Ryan we have Reynolds, not. like, angrily walking out in the rain shirtless for... That's what I no, remember but, from but, anyway. <laughs> but listen, I, 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 I'm very happily in a, you know, cisgender type relationship, <laughs> but I get it. Like Ryan Reynolds is hot, but so is like the other guy. And I wish I could remember his name. I'm sorry. He's like seventies hot. Like I get it. He's an attractive man. I, I can say that. That's fair. I just feel like Ryan Reynolds was like unnecessarily hot for that role. Like I'm like, he's distractingly good. Looking. I mean, yeah, I, I get it. Like I've seen Daredevil many <laughs> times and every time I'm like, man, I could look like that if I could stop eating so much pizza. It's not true, Stephanie, but I keep telling myself that. And he's older than me. He has no right to look that good. What a jerk. I love you, Ryan Reynolds. Be friends with me. See, Gretchen's family, as I men- we mentioned, is wealthy. They live in a... Uh pirates cruise and it's spelled weird it's spelled like p-i-e-r-a-t-e-s um, see that's the kind of stuff you don't pick up on the audiobook yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, it shows like their relationships, like Abby tags along on their family vacation, just kind of them growing up together. And then we see that Abby's family kind of falls on yeah. hard times when her dad loses his job and then he loses his other job. And then he says he's going to repair lawnmowers and like their whole front lawn is just like <laughs> a bunch of lawnmowers. Yeah. That's all just kind of set up. We can then fast forward to like high school because I think it does that. It has like a big Yeah, it does. Like, yeah, like this was our relationship. Anyway, high school now. Yeah, it sets up the origin of their relationship and then jumps, I think, their sophomore year, right? Like most of the events in the book happen that year. Yeah. So, yeah, it it kind of starts with their group, which is Margaret, Glee, Gretchen, and Abby. Margaret, as we mentioned, was the horse girl. That jerk. From elementary school. Although I, it's hard to blame her. She was 10. That was totally her mom's fault or her dad's. Who knows? Who knows? Only Grady. Only Grady knows. So we know that she is wealthy and the only one with a boyfriend named Wallace. And I found a quote. Rich as shit loaded with that old Charleston money, American by birth and Southern by the grace yeah. of God. Anyway, I hated Wallace. <laughs> I uh, That's all I could see when you when you started talking about him. He is the biggest douche. Yeah, but he's supposed to be. And then Glee is described as the opposite of Margaret. The quote is a tiny tanned version of Michael J. Fox. And of course, Gretchen yeah, and Abby. Who we know. So there's like a whole thing where Abby decides like her, her parents are going through a rough time, but like she's going to get a job at TCY yeah. and kind of be proactive about a lot of things. One of those things was her makeup, which will come into play later. Like she's very particular about her makeup and the way she looks. She's got to put that face on, mm-hmm. she says. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they decide to get some, get their hands on some LSD. Yeah, like, like everyone does trip. your sophomore year of high school, you know, try hallucinogenics. Listen, <laughs> I wasn't alive in the 80s. Maybe that's, is that not how it was? Like, I, I, <clears throat> I feel know. like I'm being personally attacked because I was alive in the 80s, but I, I grew up really religious and I have no idea. I still have never even drank alcohol. Like, I have no idea. I haven't been religious since I was 17, but still haven't had alcohol for some reason uh, i get that i was yeah raised the same way oh. um and i i only missed the eight oh by one well year. you're not that young come on <laughs> no, <I'm not. laughs> so they decide to get their hands on some lsd and have a trip out by margaret's house i put here margaret's brother is yeah shit. well he's the one who like scores them the lsd right yes i got this quote Said he was famous for slipping drugs into girls' drinks at the Windjammer, and then after they passed out, he'd have sex with them in the backseat of his car. One of the girls woke up and broke his nose. The judge encouraged the girl's parents not to press charges because Riley came from a fine family and had his whole future ahead of him. So let me just summarize. For those of you who like zoned out for a second, what she just described was rape. And then the judge more or less said, nothing to see here. Wrap it up, boys. Let everyone go home. (laughs) Which is, I would say, sort of an 80s thing. I wouldn't say it's like perfect now, but it's better now. But when when I heard this in the book, I was like, oh, well, he's a horrible person. And... Hopefully this doesn't happen nearly as much anymore. It's just one of those things. You never want to be involved in that. Or like, I don't know, man. I I was fortunate that he didn't become a main character. I was just glad that he wasn't talked about more. I was like, it made me viscerally angry. I was like highlighting this to like not forget it. And I was like angry, like angry. Like the kind of angry highlighting that hurts your elbow later because you're squeezing so hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like three pages later it's like how did it bleed 
Uh, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, you know, just a, a rapist. Like, there's no other way to say it. And that's the worst kind of person. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of this book is a, a bit of a satire on kind of like upper class Southern culture. And we'll see kind of a lot of people putting their reputation ahead of the well-being of others and how they are perceived and kind of reputation is everything. Yeah. Which I think Abby is not immune to, but I think she is the last, the, I guess, least encumbered by because she doesn't really have a lot of money and she's already sort of looked down on because of that. So I don't think it, yeah. it plays as much of an impact on her, which I think sort of informs her being the one to like take a chance and be like, no, she's possessed. Like everyone else doesn't believe her. Right. And she's like more apt to just stand up for her beliefs in that. Uh, because she doesn't really need to care as much as everyone else because people already sort of look down on her family. Yeah, she's a scholarship kid yeah. at the at their school. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, then they score the LSD, and I wrote down this quote that just cracked me up. Now there's a chance that if you find acid hidden underneath a mattress in a Holiday Inn left there by two guys you've never met who were hiding it from the police and who are now in jail, it might be spiked with strychnine or something worse. But there was also a chance that it might not be spiked with strychnine or something worse. (laughs) And Abby preferred to look on the bright side. (laughs) She is a glass half full kind of girl. Like she even proves that during the exorcism when she sees a glass and it's half full. Like she even says that. I don't know if you caught that, but I was like, oh, she's always looking on the bright side. I like that. Yeah. Although that glass does turn to be filled with urine and bugs, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, she gets that big epiphany about her taking control of her life when she's like digging through the trash can for like Glee's retainer yeah. or something. Yeah. She's like, you know what? I am in control of my own attitude. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and honestly, I do sort of think at this time, and it's sort of like a coming-of-age tale, I guess, on some level. Like, you do have those moments. Like, I remember I was this big band geek, and I like, I was, like, in a gym, and it was hot, and I was, like, just playing drums because I was in the drum line, and I was, like, sweating, and I was like, I really don't want to be doing this right now. And I, this is so embarrassing. I should not say this. But I remember thinking, it was my freshman year, I remember thinking, this is what a man does. A man sticks around and does what he's supposed to do and what he commits to doing. And looking back now, I'm like, that is a ridiculous thing for a 14-year-old to say uh, to himself internally while playing third base. But, you know, it is what it is. But I I remember having that. It was just for me, I wasn't digging for my friend's retainer in a trash can. I mean, whatever works. You got to have those big epiphany Absolutely. Absolutely. I wish I didn't remember where I had mine. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, they score this acid and they go to is it like the lake behind margaret's house yeah yeah or something like that. yeah they yeah. go sort of into the woods which i think is a bad yeah. idea well I mean, it turns out to be a bad idea but um yeah so they all take it and they're like is this even working like i don't know what's going on but then margaret decides to go skinny dipping yeah which is something you do around that time in your life and is always a bad idea i've seen a lot of horror movies and they all tell me that it's not good. Oh man, I can't tell you how many movies like they it's just like everyone does the dumbest things in this like type of situation. Like it's never a good idea to be like walking through your house as a beautiful, I don't know, 19-year-old girl like when a killer's on the loose and it's all dark and you're like, "Hello? Is anybody here?" <laughs> I guess I'll get naked and take a shower. Like never do that. There <laughs> you're definitely going to die. Especially if you had sex earlier in that movie. But Definitely. Yeah. I forget. It's one of the Friday the 13th. It might be like two or three 
where like the girl is looking for her dog and she's like hello like pookie where are you and then she like strips down and skinny dips and i'm like what is the oh and she's like by herself right <laughs> i just don't understand that like yeah of events also and listen i didn't i wasn't really like a skinny dipper in that time of my life but why would you do it by yourself i just don't see yeah. like the whole thing of skinny dipping is like you know it's sort of a flirty thing to do i don't know don't do it on your own that's not a good look being naked on your own in a lake when company shows up is never a good look. Essentially, like, Gretchen goes skinny dipping and she runs off and they have to go look for Gretchen and they find her, like, hours later. Yeah, it's, like, a long time in period passes. Yeah, and she's naked, right, in the woods or in various states of undress. She might not be completely naked, but um, this is sort of the inciting event, right? This. Yeah. Okay, which... Is interesting because I was listening to another podcast to recap this. Oh, yeah. And they thought that because um, the demon is Andrus and there's that scene later where Gretchen calls the number for Andy. Yeah. And gets, you know, like far away Gretchen. Right. That that there was no like Andy at Bible camp, that it was always Andrus the demon and she was already possessed. Already possessed at this point? Which is what they said. Hmm. So then I asked a bunch of people because I'm like, am I stupid? This is my third time reading this book <laughs> and that's not like what I got. Right, right. <laughs> so I went on Reddit and I asked, I like, what do you think? And if I'm like, what do you guys think like happened here? What's your interpretation of events? And someone said like, no, she gets possessed in the woods. Andy at Bible camp does exist. And remember, like the number is two numbers off. Yeah. And he, so, like, the whole time she was talking to Andrus the demon, not Andy, because Andy hadn't heard from Gretchen. Yeah. Well, that, and, they, the and they established that later, that he had not heard from her. Yeah. Yeah. I had forgotten that detail. Yeah. And <laughs> then Grady Hendrix commented, like, yes, that is correct. So I'm like, okay. Just getting some. So you had, like, the author, like, respond to you on, not, this is not a big deal. Like, Stephanie's not super not famous. Not to me. But, yeah. Oh. To the, person that, to the person that commented and was like, this is the clarification. And he was like, yes. But you started the whole conversation, right? So, I mean, you can take credit for it. Okay. <laughs> I just like to throw it out there. and. Yeah. yeah. I mean, her and Grady go way back. They they talked before. They're friends. It's fine. BFFs. <laughs> um. So events start to change and Gretchen starts to act differently. Right. Uh, and that sort of manifests itself in school. And she goes to this like sort of unhygienic phase. Is that fair to say? That's fair. Okay. I don't know. I don't know how to not be offensive and I just try and tread lightly. And if I mess up, people like correct me and I just try to do my best with those corrections. Right. Yeah, she becomes a stinky gal. Yeah, is that is that a technical term? It's, these are these are new no. words for me. Okay, <laughs> it's a Stephanie exclusive. <laughs> oh man. Um, so yeah, there's like that assembly where the coach is talking about like the dangers of wine coolers, and like she thinks that someone keeps like touching the back of her yes. neck, and she thinks it's Wallace. She like yells at him yeah. and like runs out of there. Yeah. Okay, so there was a large portion of this book, full disclosure, where I was like, oh, she's not actually possessed i was gonna ask you this she is acting out trauma because i feel like if that had happened to me you know i was taking lsd or whatever and someone took advantage of me in the woods i would have issues with like like with wallace touching her she's probably gonna be more protective of her body if that happened to her so she's like don't touch me and she may be sort of 
Wallace may not be touching her, but she might, you know, Wallace is there and she knows Wallace is a sort of a douche. And so she's just trying to be more protective of herself. Like that made sense. The unhygienic stinky girl phase also is sort of a way of creating a barrier of smell. I realize that's a horrible thing to say, but to get people to not take notice of you or not want to be around you. Right. And that's also another thing that you might do to sort of protect your space. So like for a large, and in fact, full disclosure, until the exorcism, like deep into the exorcism, I was like, she's not possessed. That is not what's going on. Of course she is, but you know, until, I mean, well, we'll get there. I'll let you know when I, when I realized she was actually possessed, but I thought she was just acting out based on her trauma, you know? Which is how I read it the first time I went through. Okay, good. Okay. Okay. Like she's not real. Yeah. When she turned out to actually be possessed. Yeah, something traumatic happened to her in the woods. Yeah. And yeah. she is just dealing with that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and I, I I honestly, like, that makes me very happy to hear you say that because I thought it wasn't a possession and then it turned out to be a possession and I felt like a fool because it's literally called my best friend's exorcism. <laughs> like, he could have not been more clear that it was from Jump Street and I thought it wasn't. So I felt very foolish. So I'm glad to know that that wasn't just me. Well, the whole time, Abby is the only person that thinks this is what's going on. Like, everyone yeah. around her is like, no, there's a bunch of different explanations for, like, why. Yeah, every all of this can be explained. Yeah, all of this can be explained, which I sort of liked. Like, that's what I mean by he sort of foreshadows things, but still leaves enough doubt that you're like, okay, I think I know where this is going, but let's figure out how we get there, right? And I think he does a very good job of that. So, Abby keeps calling Gretchen and her parents tell her to just leave her alone give her some space so like kind of the next big thing is the book club when Gretchen says like please after your shift at TCBY can you go to the thrift store and get me a phone like it's my mom's book club night she gonna be a little tipsy she's not even gonna like remember that she told you not to come over and that's Um, what happens yeah and so she comes over and then delivers the phone and then you know sort of all hell breaks loose that that's that's got to be a rough night for both parents and Gretchen and Abby (laughs) (laughs) so yeah if this gets made into a movie like or like when that happens this i think is going to be probably one of the big jump scares is the birds crashing into the window yeah yeah which so when we were watching these movies uh that we do for the horror virgin like jump scares are what gets me the most and i feel like books don't really do that really at all so like i this yeah, it's hard to do, right? Because you're reading. You're, like, reading at your own pace. So, and I'm listening. So, like, what are they going to do? Just, like, I don't know. We'll be like, ha! Or something. Like, they they, uh, they just wouldn't do that. So, um, but this probably would be very, very scary in the moment watching the movie or TV show or whatever they make out of it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah, she's, like, crimping her hair and she, like, goes to, like, the top of the stairs and starts singing <laughs> Dixie at the top of her lungs and her yeah like what the hell are you doing what is happening and she's already had some like behavioral issues and that's why she's sort of grounded and can't have a phone and all that stuff right so they're like why is she acting out so much what is wrong with her yeah yeah so i think it said so yeah everyone turned toward the living room the wall at the far end was made of glass and lying at the base was a flapping pigeon that had broken its neck. Just as Abby was about to turn away, another bang sounded and a seagull hit the window, smearing blood on the glass. Talk, talk, talk. Three sparrows smacked into the glass one right after the other. And it says, she says it's like over a hundred birds like on their property. <laughs> by the yeah. Office. 
Yeah, and you would think one bird, that rarely ever happens, but I get that. I could see that happening. But, uh, you know, five, that's way too much for a coincidence, right? I don't care how drunk you are at book club, mom. Something is going on. (laughs) What's funny is this is like the height of satanic panic and her parents, like the one thing they do not assume that it is, is like a demonic possession. Well, because it's their daughter, you know, I think that the Langs would be very, sorry, her parents would be very apt to jump on board if it was like someone else's kid, you know, I feel like they would partake in that gossip, but because it's not gossip to them, it's their family. They don't want it to be that. I think it happens before spirit week, but Abby tries to tell Gretchen's parents that she was raped. Yeah, she does. Well, and uh, yeah. And her dad like, no, that didn't, no, that didn't happen. No, there's no way. There's no way that happened. And if it did, you better shut up about it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. What an asshat. Like, that's the... Oh, I hate him so like, much. Don't you dare tell, like, anybody else. Well, then from there, like, Mrs. Lang shows up and oh. she's like, she's like, did he do it? Like, pointing yeah. to the dad. I'm like, you got Which to- I think is the... F- yeah, I think that's a fair question. But yeah, you're right. What you're about to say. Got some like yeah. balls on you to ask that like right in front of him. Was it him? Is it him? Yeah. Are you protecting yeah. him? Yeah. Tell me. Blink twice if your husband's abusive. Like, <laughs> like that sort of thing. But I mean, honestly, like if you told your best friend's dad that your best friend was raped and his reaction was you better not tell anybody like that is a definite red flag and we we do know it's not him or we find out it wasn't him right but still that's not a good look for a dad Mm-mm. you know yeah and then they say that they took her to a doctor to check her virginity and it was intact and it's like Ugh. oh god which was like another level of traumatizing for gretchen who is already going through so much to just add that on top of it was just such a violation. Yeah. Um, and that's one. And they, she, she sort of explains it in the book, which is something that as a guy, I don't know, you know what that whole, I've never been to an OBGYN, you know, I don't know what that's like. So having her explain it, I was like, Oh, this sounds horrible. <laughs> I just felt so bad for this like 14, 15 year old girl who had to, you know, go through what she went through in the woods and then, her parents not believing her. And then all they care about is, well, is she still a pure individual? <sighs> like, yeah, like having her virginity intact even makes her appear. I don't know. It would, I just, I just hated that so much. Oh yeah. It was bad. Oh, then she gets like mean girls by Glee and Margaret. Cause she calls yeah. Glee and says like, I think Wallace raped her. And she's like, would you say that if Margaret was here? And Margaret hops on the phone. Was like, Oh, no, she was there the whole time, yep. Stephanie. Yep. It was Sur- a covert three-way call. Yeah, she got mean girl. <laughs> it's the worst. And that's like, they're, those are her like best friends, right? Yeah, so now at this point, like, everyone is against her. <laughs> like, she has yeah. kind of lost everyone. Um, and it's sort of that way for the rest of the book. Mm-hmm. So then it's Spirit Week. And yeah. it's... Slave day. Oh, man. So (laughs) did you when you were in high school, did you guys have spirit week? Yes. Yeah. So we did, too. We didn't have slave day, but we had a day that was called senior day and it felt a lot like slave day. But it wasn't as racist, like blatantly racist. Like it was just a day where seniors could, you know, bid on people and then they but it like it was really it was honestly really, really dumb. 
like I remember my sophomore year, I had to sing the national anthem because my brother was a senior and he wanted me to. So like, but it, it wasn't nearly as racially problematic as Slave Day is. Yeah. I went to college with people who had Slave Day at their high school. And I'm like, really? how in this like millennium is this still right? like, a thing? That that surprises me. I thought it was just one of those things that he sort of made up. And no. then because he even says in the book it, it was phased out five years later. Yeah. And they just like never acknowledged it like it never happened. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you know what? Now that I think back. Because I went to school in Nashville. I bet before I got there, five years before I got there, it was called Slave Day. Ugh. Yeah. So, yeah. Gretchen uh, buys Abby. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, I, I honestly thought that things were, like, going to go back to normal a little bit. Because they, cause Gretchen's been, like, missing from school and, like, ignoring Abby during this period, right? And then... When she buys Abby, Abby's like, oh, sweet. This is great. So I know I'll see Gretchen because after the blow up at the book club with her parents, they like made them so they don't hang out anymore. They're like not allowed to see each other. They changed class schedules. So they don't line up anymore. So now, you know, OK, cool. I'm going to get to hang out with my best friend. And then it does not go the way she wants it to go. No, yeah. Gretchen drags her into the bathroom and forces her to put Pond's cold cream on her face and wipe her makeup off. And Abby has a lot of skin issues. She has acne scars that she's really yeah. self-conscious about. And like Gretchen, her best friend, knows this and helped her buy some of this like very special makeup that, you know, helps Abby like feel OK about herself. So this is just such a like personal dig at her. Yeah, it's like only your best friend knows how to really, really hurt you. And that's yeah. exactly what Gretchen's doing here. Uh, so, yeah, Abby yeah. freaks out. And Gretchen later calls Abby to apologize. And Abby hangs up on her. Yeah, she she sets this boundary, man. And then, okay, so after this, this sort of is like a period in the book where, like, okay, they're no longer best friends. Abby hates Gretchen. And it seems like Gretchen hates Abby. And then Abby is like, for the next little bit, it seems like Abby is like wondering why Gretchen's not really being her friend anymore. And I thought that that was a little weird. Like I, I could tell you why Abby Gretchen's not being your friend anymore. It's cause she's possessed. <laughs> well, for, well, yeah, she gets a great demonic glow up. She, oh yeah. Gets, well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> she gets queer eyed by the devil. She looks real hot. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize Andrus is on that. Uh, is it Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? Is it still? I don't. I don't think it's called it anymore. I think it's called, called Queer Eye. Because yep, I've watched all of the Netflix seasons and I've cried every time. Uh, and they and they do have uh, they do sort of make over women too now. So like it's a great show. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's great. Yeah, Andrus is like the Jonathan, really getting into her skincare routine and making sure oh, that yeah. she glows. Yeah, and like, she does. She she gets a haircut. Mm -hmm. You know, she's looking great. Never look better. So the next big thing I have here is a uh, gym bros for Jesus is what I called it. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. But did you ever like have these like assemblies for, so I didn't go to a like Catholic or Christian school, but I was like very involved in church in, in this. And we had this sort of thing at church. It wasn't at school. I mean, they're going to like a Catholic type school, right? So it made sense to me that they would have that religious thing at school. But yeah, we had stuff like this and it was as ridiculous as this sounds. I do remember some of these. I asked my husband because he went to kind of like a school similar to this. And he said, yeah, like there was a guy who was like playing the drums and like being just vaguely inspirational. And like, you can do anything you set your mind to drum solo. Like, Yeah. 
Yeah. I okay. So I specifically remember this because a guy came and he was like a singer songwriter. Wasn't bad. It was it was like you know praise and worship type stuff. But he he talked about how he was like I made it through Jesus and stuff like that. And he's a nobody, I'm sure. But like he was a professional musician, which is not easy to be. But I, I'll never forget him because his name was John, by the way. And he said, if you ever want to know my name, just think about a porta potty right by the street because that's a John, by the way. And for whatever reason, twelve year old me thought that was the funniest thing he'd ever heard. Also effective. You still remember. Yeah, no, absolutely. I should Google him and see what happened to him. But, you know, (laughs) I remember at my middle school, we had like some bike like BMX trick show. And I specifically remembered that they did tricks to headstrong by trapped. Wow. Yeah. All right. (laughs) So what you're saying is they were real cool. Yeah. Like, (laughs) whoa. How do we get these guys? Yeah. Wow. We got to get some of that Jesus in our life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's these uh, brothers who are kind of like weightlifting and being like Christian inspirational. And they're like going to rip a phone book in half through the power of Christ. Like that, that sort of thing. Right. (laughs) My favorite quote. Sometimes he said, when I'm shifting steel and sweat and blood and I don't think I'm going to make the clean and jerk or when I'm stuck on the hang and can't get the snatch. Suddenly I'll feel lighter. Like someone has taken my load. And that's when I look up and I say, that was you, God. Thank you for taking my load. (laughs) And like everyone dies laughing. Yeah. There's like no way to not take that dirty. Like he knows what he's doing. (laughs) He absolutely knows what he's doing. Is this Christian? This is Christian, right? Who says that? Yeah. Who, who becomes the exorcist later, right? Through his hubris becomes the exorcist later. But yeah, like he says them and even like he says snatch, like there's like nine words in there that you should never say to an assembly full of like teenagers, but he just doesn't learn that lesson. (laughs) Well then at the end, he points to Gretchen and says that he can see her struggling with demonic oppression. And Abby is like, someone else sees this. Yeah. Oh my God. I need to go talk to this guy. Yeah. Well, and they invite, I remember they invite Wallace and a bunch of the other football players on stage to like lift these like wood, like beams or whatever, and they can't do it. And then the trick was to put them in like the shape of a cross and then you could lift them. I was like, oh man, oh, man. this oh, is my God. I'm exactly what camp. they would. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, okay. All right. I see what you're doing there. Power lifters for Christ. Oh, man. So, yeah. So she catches up with him and kind of meant like. Yeah. Like as they're leaving, they're like packing up and she's like, hey, I need to talk to you. My friend actually is possessed. What did you see? Mm -hmm. Right. And he's got the gift of discernment. Yeah, that's what it is. So he saw. Apparently. I mean, that's what he thinks. He thinks he has the gift of discernment. But I mean, in all fairness, like if you look out on like a bunch of high school kids and you pick one at random, odds are one of them. Is going to be dealing with something because they're all dealing with something. All of them are like knees deep in puberty. Like they're like all going through shit, you know? Yeah. Then I have. So the next play in Gretchen's playbook is that she decides to be a friend to Margaret and uh, give her some weight loss shakes. Her mom like ordered a bunch of these and from Germany or whatever. Yeah. And they're just like hanging out at her house. and And she's just not going to use them. So why don't you have them? They're supposed to work really well. So if you want to just take some and. And uh, it does work for Margaret. She does. Yeah, it works great. Starts to lose a bunch of weight. And 
again, that was like kind of the one thing that Margaret is self-conscious about, you know, much like Abby's skin and makeup. Margaret is self-conscious about her weight. Like she kind of gets fat shamed by her mom a little bit. Yeah. And I do want to point out that like uh, Grady, I don't think, and I may be wrong about this, but he doesn't ever really say that she is a bigger girl, if that makes sense. Yeah. I, I It really is just the mom saying just kind of not great stuff, which I think yeah, no. happens, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. It definitely I think, happens. I think that is something that has passed down because I'm sure the mom got, you know, that was a thing for their mom, too, or, or you know, her mom. So it's like one of those passed down trauma things that we do to our kids or whatever. So, yeah, she loses a bunch of weight and then she doesn't come yeah. to school for a while. So Abby decides to go check up on her and see how Margaret is doing and brings her some ice cream. Yeah. So this is the scene that like really grossed me out. <laughs> Not because I don't like ice cream. I love ice cream. It's great. It's because we find out that these shakes that have helped her lose weight have also like caused her to like waste away. Oh, and the way they described this. Or the way Grady describes this when he's like, or I guess when Abby's in the room with her and like, she's like rail skin. No, like she's like, yeah, she had this, the really tough stomach, uh, you know, like a pot belly, a really tough stomach. Uh, and what happens next is so gross. Like she gives her the ice cream and like the worm can smell it and starts like coming up out of her throat and she starts like puking this thing up and it is like yeah i asked on facebook like what people's like most memorable scenes and someone was like "Ugh, that weight loss smoothie shudder yeah (laughs) yeah absolutely and i would say that that one stuck with me the most yeah it wasn't my favorite one but it stuck with me the most (laughs) well that was like the thing when i was reading this and still thinking that there was no like supernatural explanation, I was like, "Oh my gosh! Like, then what is that? Like, what is happening? <laughs> what is the explanation?" No, it's a tapeworm. It yeah. is, yeah. But I was like, "What? How is that going to be explained away?" It was like, yeah. it's like a, I forget how long, like a thirty foot tapeworm or something like that. Like, it's something ridiculous. Yeah. Like, you're supposed and to. And there were, oh, there were just, and there were more inside her. Like, she that wasn't the only tapeworm because. These shakes, we find out, like, they're just, you know, tapeworm eggs, and you're supposed to drink one of them, and she had had multiple shakes a day for, like, a long time, right? Yes. So, there were a lot in her stomach. So, this is where we meet, like, good dog Max. Maybe not meets, but, like, he, you know, comes to sort of save the day. Like, he attacks the tapeworm and pulls it out of her mouth, or I think he pulls it out of her mouth. I know... It starts to stretch and good dog Max is involved because I, I remember it wrapping around the dog's face. And I was like, if you kill this dog, I'm going to hate you forever. I know. I know. I know why you're looking at me right now. Ugh. But yeah, but at this point, you know, that hadn't happened yet. But anyway, they, of course, they rush to the hospital and they find out that it's tapeworms and they, you know, handle that. Yeah. I don't know how you handle that. Like it's whatever they give her drugs. Yeah, flush them out. Whatever they, whatever. They yeah, do. yeah. Whatever. You, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> so then, what Gretchen was also doing is forging letters to Glee from her crush, Father Morgan. Yeah, which, like, I think okay, Gretchen. I don't know. I feel like Gretchen is setting all of them up, right? So she's trying to, I don't know, kill the, the girl through weight loss, and then. I don't know if she knew that Glee would do what she was going to do when it all sort of hashed out. 
Um, but it seems like she's targeting just the three close friends or, you know, the demon is right. Yeah. But she like really makes Glee feel like Father Morgan's in love with her. And oh, man, it just leads to a bunch of bad stuff. She confronts him and he denies it. And like, I remember like well, yeah. the scene she's at like the top of the bell tower and people are like, whoa, she's going to she's like going to kill herself. Yeah. She like tries to jump off the bell tower and save the last second. Um, And I mean, I can only imagine what Father Morgan is thinking, too. Like I this girl who's, I guess, in your class or, you know, at least at school with you that you're teaching thinks that you're in love with her that would be very scary for him and then to see her do what she did like I completely get why when Abby calls him later he's like I should not be involved like you know I, I like I I was unwillingly involved enough to begin with and just my presence would be a problem like I I completely got why he just wants to distance himself from it all oh yeah um, so, yeah, she reaches out to him. I mean, there's like a few things like uh, they take a trip to a gross anatomy lab. And yeah. Some uh, fetuses go missing. Yeah. Well, and uh, clearly we find out that Gretchen stole that, but she's just like setting them up. And this is how she's setting Abby up because mm-hmm. eventually that becomes sort of I guess the cops find it. Right. Yes. Thing. Well, she said she had proof because she stole Gretchen's notebook. And she was going to give it to Father Morgan as proof that Gretchen was the one behind. That's right. That's right. And then Gretchen walks in and takes that back and walks right out. So she's kind of left with nothing left to play. Yeah, she has no proof. And then, uh, you know, the cops come in with a fetus. I can't really quite remember exactly how that shook out. Do you remember that? I'm trying to remember, like, the timeline of it. Right. It's like before the exorcism. I think it must be before the exorcism because then. It it is because. Yeah, I know it's before the exorcism because she goes into, um, like, be booked or whatever. I'm sorry. I don't know. I've never been arrested. I'm sorry. I don't know. But her mom is the one who's like, I'm not letting her stay in jail overnight. Or what would be juvie because she's underage, right? So they bring her out. And then she's, like, under strict confinement. Abby is. And that's when she decides, okay, it's time to do this. And she contacts Christian, the power lifter for Christ. Yes. And then, yeah, they kind of get their plan together on how they're going to go about this exorcism. Right. So Abby goes to Gretchen's house, um, sneaks in, and uh, Good Dog Max is there. Yeah. Good Dog Max, just who, who honestly, biggest joy in life, sticking his head down trash cans, taking a whiff. Like, I get that. If I was a dog. You know, that's like his biggest joy in life. But she convinces Max to go away from her because she's trying to. Well, because uh, Christian gave her. It was, was it GHB? Yeah. To drug um, Gretchen because Dr- Gretchen drinks like Diet Coke or whatever. And she knows that. So she's trying to drug Gretchen so that they can abscond with her to the lake house to perform the exorcism. Right. And good dog Max is about to give away Abby's position to Gretchen. And then Abby sort of convinces good dog Max to go away from her and go to Gretchen uh, so that she can poison, not poison, but drug like I guess her older brother does um, the diet Coke of Gretchen. Although I will say I hated this part. I really hated this part. I mean, I'm just glad it was off page. 
like off, yeah, off like we, screen, you know, essentially. Yeah, right. We, yeah, we see it from Abby's perspective, and Abby is out of the room when it happens. Oh, and then Gretchen's like, this is your fault. Like, you did this. This blood is on your hands. Oh, man. Yeah, like, really guilt-tripping her when clearly she had nothing to do with it. But let, let's go ahead and just let the listener know what it is, although hopefully they already know. And that is that Gretchen finds Abby and is drinking the... I guess the diet coke, yeah. the diet coke that has been GHB'd, if you can verb, you know, make that a verb. And she goes upstairs and takes Good Dog Max with her, puts on this raincoat, and then takes him into the bathroom. And t- originally, Abby's in there too, but then she sort of gets like smacked out of there because they start to like fight a little bit. And Gretchen has a gun and she kills the dog. Why? Yeah, it's horrible. The stakes had to be raised, I guess. Like, you have to get that this is, I like, mean, a legit. I know. And I know, like, so many people, that's kind of, like, their no-no. Like, I'm out if the yeah. dog dies. So I'm sorry for all of you. Yeah, same. Uh, and I have two dogs and five cats. Like, I'm definitely an animal person. Uh, this isn't, like, I hate this so much. But I can still continue on in a story if this happens. You know, it just really bothers me. So they are able to, like, from there, Christian is there, and they are able to get her to the lake house and proceed with this exercise. Yeah, because because after Gretchen shoots the dog, she then feels the effects of the GHB and passes out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they do get away, and, like, they get to her lake house and sort of tie her down to a bed, like, full-on the exorcist style. Yeah, and start, like, throwing salt at her. And uh, oh man, they're legit torturing her, which I I guess is part of an exorcism. So saith Christian. So whatever. I don't know. I've never done one, but I at this point still thought it wasn't um, an actual possession. And I up to the point where like like the the crazy like supernatural unexplainable shit happened. Even when Gretchen says the name of the demon, I was like, oh, that's not real. Oh, that's she, where I was like, oh shit. Oh, really? (laughs) And the reason I felt that way still after that is because Abby actually says the name of the demon first. And then Gretchen starts saying his name. I don't think I caught that. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, oh, Gretchen is just being tortured. And she's to the point where she'll say anything to get out of it. Right. Yeah. She'll agree with anything. It's sort of the way some people get like um, they'll admit to doing a crime they didn't actually do when being interrogated. Right. Um, Which is horrible, but it happens. And I sort of felt like that was happening here. Although quickly after that happens, it turns into like actual, like supernatural shit, you know? Yeah. So Christian starts like saying all of this Christian stuff. And (laughs) I laughed when he had to, (laughs) when he had to take his protein break and he's eating like a chicken breast out of a Ziploc (laughs) bag. Yeah, he's got, okay, so I, um, my lovely girlfriend Natalie is, like, a fitness competitor, she's a personal trainer, and she does, like, meal prep, so, like, when, when, when this happened, I was like, that is very authentic, like, that actually would happen, because I've seen her, like, make little meals for her whole week, weighed out and everything, and then, like, she just eats, she's very meticulous, but, yeah, I totally bought that. (laughs) Yeah, he had to protein load. 
Um, so it kind of comes to light that he doesn't really know what he's doing. He's just winging it. Yeah, he feels like that's why when I said earlier his hubris, like he feels like he can do it, so he's gonna try and do it, which is not the best way to go about an exorcism. Clearly, which is why he bones out, like he leaves them there. Yeah, well, then he tried to get Abby to get ammonia, and then Abby last minute is like, she finds it and is like, uh, maybe not. Like, I'm not not gonna yeah. get that. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna just not find this after finding it, right? <laughs> Which is the right call in that situation. Yeah, so he pieces out after his chicken breast break, and Abby's left alone with a possessed Gretchen. She tries to kind of do the same Christian exorcism stuff that Christian was doing. Um, it, it doesn't seem to be working, so... From there, she starts exercising in the name of their friendship. Yes, which I found a lot more effective. Well, and I think that the book found it a lot more effective too because it actually works. Do you actually have what she says? Because it was because it was so sweet. Like she's like literally like name dropping all of the key moments in their friendship, and sort of compelling her to fight from within, right, and expel the demon. It starts with her kind of singing we got the beat kind of like slowly and then she says like tommy cox defend me in battle be my protection against (laughs) the wickedness and snares of this world may tommy cox and his holy can of coca-cola rebuke you satan and all your works (laughs) i pray in his name by the power of phil collins i rebuke you (laughs) by the power of phil collins who knows that you coming back to me is against all odds in his name i command you to leave this servant of genesis alone (laughs) like and she starts talking about like the thorn birds and then she ends yeah. with, I love you. I love you, Gretchen Lang. You are my reflection and my shadow and I will not let you go. We are bound together forever and ever until Haley's Comet comes around again. I love you dearly and I love you queerly and no demon is bigger than this. I throw my pebble and its name is Gretchen Lang in the name of our love be gone. Yeah, that that will go down forever in time as the best freestyle ever. <laughs> The best freestyle exorcism yeah. ever. Yeah. Yeah. So she mic drops and everything stops. Like whatever demon was possessing her is out of there. Um, of course. But this, also this is where the cops show up. Like, yeah, this with is yeah. Gretchen's parents. Yeah. So the demon's gone maybe, but this is where, you know, they're separated. Yeah. I mean like her standing over like Gretchen tied to a bed emaciated. Wasn't the best look. No. No, I mean, after they've been kidnapped for this goes on for like days, right? It's like two days that she's tied to this bed, right? Yeah, so she's being tried and then um, she's on trial and the exorcist comes forward and yeah takes the blame for everything. Yeah, literally like owns up to it like he and, and like admits to stuff that he did not do, you know, so they sort of get off free, like scot free. So she gets off and Abby's family moves to New Jersey because just after this, like, there's no way they can show their face anywhere. Yeah, (laughs) you can't come back from this. Yeah. Yeah. They just need a new start. So they move to New Jersey. Both of them, we come to find out, although we only get it from Abby's perspective originally, they've been trying to reach out to each other, but their parents have been thwarting their attempts to do so. And Abby is thinking that, oh, she just doesn't want to have anything to do with me. Like, we're just never going to be friends again. And she's sort of broken heart about that. And then Gretchen just shows up in her mom's car. Like, <laughs> like let's, we're, we're, we got to go. We're going to go. Let's get out of here. But I did like their parents, like, because obviously there are going to be repercussions for stealing your mom's car and driving states away to just see your best friend, right? But I did like that their parents 
sort of come to the realization that like this is the sort of friendship that you just can't stop. Why not just let them write? You know, so but like the lines of communication are like free and open from then on after that, I guess, incident. But this is when it starts to explain what happens the rest of their life. Like literally we fast forward through the rest of their life. And I found this so, so touching because I'm at a stage in my life where I still have friends that I had in high school, but we don't really talk a lot. We talk occasionally, like sometimes we'll get coffee and catch up and I feel like he does a great job of explaining that friendships that are bonded in trauma like this, they never break. You may distance yourself over the course of your life just because life takes you different places, marriages and jobs separate you, that kind of stuff. But because of this and because they're, they just had a really strong friendship. They always came back to each other. They weren't always the best of friends, but they were always best friends. And I just love that so much. Yes. Well, I I loved kind of the beginning when they start fading away. Like, you know, like one month became two months, became three months. And like kind of, you know, we kept missing each other. But then after Abby's divorce, like Gretchen really is there for her and with her like crying baby. And like kind of from then on is a fixture (laughs) in her life. (laughs) Yeah. Like I hate your baby. (laughs) Yeah. I I sort of love that. I mean, and and you know, she doesn't hate her baby. It's not that it's just, you know, the things you say to, you know, sort of any levity in those sorts of moments just to get by, you know? Yeah. And they, they open the can that, um, (laughs) Oh, what was his name? Is it Tommy Cox? Yeah, Tommy Cox. So they opened the can that Tommy Cox gave Abby um, after he busted her lip up at the roller skating rink and they drink it. And it's just super sweet. Yeah. Um. Oh, and then Abby goes back to Charleston and finds the exorcist like years yeah. later. And he's like kind of working at a like a was it like a gym like an old people's home like he's a, it's like a senior center yeah. yeah he he like operates the gym at like a senior assisted living center yeah yeah but they like finish up a class or he finishes up a class and then they go and get like coffee or like a, a, I think it's a shake I think it's like a <laughs> like a protein shake and I because I remember he's drinking something and she's just sipping like a bottle of water right uh, and they sort of catch up and find out what happened to him throughout the course of his life post going to jail. Like he went to jail for eight months, I think. Yeah. Um, although the case sort of fell apart, he was still in jail that whole time. Yeah. And so, yeah, he kind of says like, he doesn't hold any ill will. Like he doesn't blame her for anything. So like kind of that chapter is (laughs) very much closed in his life. Yeah. (laughs) Which I get. Yeah. Uh, so then the ending for their, friendship so yeah so are you gonna read it because you're gonna make me cry (laughs) yeah when she died at the age of 84 there was one person holding her hand there was one person who sat with her every day who made glee leave when she got too loud and who made Devin, abby's ex-husband visit even though he hated sickness with a phobic intensity there was one person who read to her when she could no longer see the pages of her book Who fed her pumpkin soup when she got too weak to feed herself? Who held up a glass of apple juice when she could no longer raise it to her mouth? And who moistened her lips with a sponge when she lost the ability to swallow? There was one person who stayed by her side after Mary got too upset and had to leave the room. There was one person with her all the way down the line. 
Abby Rivers and Gretchen Lang were best friends, on and off, for 75 years. There aren't many people who can say that. They weren't perfect. They didn't always get along. They screwed up. They acted like assholes. They fought. They fell out. They patched things up. They drove each other crazy. And they didn't make it to Haley's Comet. But they tried. Yeah. Oh, man. Every, it's yeah. so sweet. Yeah, it's yeah. so sweet. Oh. So, yeah, this is one of my favorite books. <laughs> yeah, it's re- it's really well done. And that's the book, right? That's it. <laughs> that's yeah. the book. <laughs> it's so sad. But, like, so if we were going to do a final thoughts about this, I was so moved by, like, that last section. Like, the whole everything post- uh, Gretchen coming up to see her like stealing her mom's car and going up and then then it, them explaining like the friendship and how a friendship changes over the course of one's life I I just love that so much and honestly I didn't have any qualms with the book really but that end cap on it just made me really love it you know yes same yeah this is just one of my favorites I think it balances out somehow horror and sweetness so perfectly yeah, yeah. So I do have some fun facts. Awesome. Let's get into some fun facts. (laughs) Fun facts. Now with more fun. So about the different editions of my best friend's exorcism. So the paperback version looks like a VHS cover. Yeah. That's the one that was right by my bathtub for probably three weeks while my girlfriend was reading it. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this one has a, a VHS cover. The hardcover looks like an 80s yearbook and it has like senior ads in the back, like some glossy pages. Oh, really? And it even has signatures in like the front and back end covers. And Grady Hendrick said that like the publishing team like actually recruited some teenagers, like actual teenagers to do the different signatures. That's very cool. And there's like a little Easter egg with like Gretchen and Abby's signatures in the book. And then the Kindle edition has like some secret postcard extras. That's very, that's very, very cool. So they all kind of have like their, their different things. And Grady Hendrix was on the podcast a few years ago and he did mention that this was optioned. I'm hoping we get to see the fruits of that soon because I would just love to see an adaptation of this. Yeah, I think it is one of those that would make a very, very good like miniseries and or movie. Like I feel like it's a good length for a movie. You could probably pull it off in like a two hour feature, but I feel like if you really want to like dig into it, give them like seven hour episodes and you could really get something special out of it. You know, do you have a box office for this? (laughs) I don't like, I don't have anything for it, but I did look to see if I could find, what do you call it? Like sales receipts or things like that for it. Um, It did. It did well. Obviously he's written more since now. So it's not like he got dropped from his publisher. So he's doing all right. Okay. I mean, you're, you're best friends with Grady Hendrix. You could just call him and ask him, I guess. Oh, that's true. I'll, I'll just call him up right now. <laughs> I have him on speed dial. Oh, my God. He's like the best. Do you guys remember speed dial? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of 80s inventions. <laughs> uh, oh, scary scale. Yes. So what temperature book is this? So my options were room temperature fridge or freezer yes i would say fridge for me because there are some things that are chilling but it's not super super scary right yeah um although i don't know that i've ever read a book that was super super scary so i'm not sure i have a great like um 
maybe the word is like litmus test for what would be super super scary but i would say fridge i would say fridge i'd agree with you that's about where it is for me because there are some scenes like the the um the tapeworm scene um it's just it's rough man yeah and the dog yeah absolutely okay so in books in the freezer fashion do you have a chilling obsession or something horror or spooky that you've been enjoying lately yeah, so I um, love documentaries and I love true crime. And HBO has been doing a series called All Be Gone in the Dark. Have you heard about it or seen it? I read the book. I haven't started the documentary series yet. Yeah, I haven't read the book because, again, as we established earlier, I don't read. But the series follows both like the writing process of the book and the author. And, of course, the case they eventually solved because of Michelle McNamara and... It's it's so touching. Like we I was watching it with my girlfriend one night and it's I don't want to spoil anything. And you probably know this already. But, you know, she passes away while she's trying to, like, find the killer and write the book. And like at the end of that episode, like I was literally like just in tears. It's so well done. You got to watch it. It's so good. I think there's one more episode. I think it's six episodes total. Uh, and the last one as of recording is not out, but it should be out probably by the time this drops. So if you have HBO or whatever, yeah, if you have HBO or whatever, watch it. It's really amazing. Yeah, that's one I've been, I need to start. So yeah, that's, that's good. I need to check that out. I really liked the book. The book was a freezer book for me too. Was it? Yeah. His crimes were horrific. Oh yeah. And I was blown away that like, he was one of the ones that wasn't really talked about. And he was so much more prolific than like, a lot of people we talk about, you know, like Zodiac and stuff like that. Like he did so much more than those people. And we had never heard about him until she started writing about him years ago. So and then something we've started doing is asking people if they have a final girl song. It's like you're in a, a slasher movie. You're the final girl or guy. Like what's right. your song that's playing? Like you're covered in blood. Like what's the mood? Set the scene. Am I so like I'm covered in blood and I'm fighting back like that sort of thing? It's up to interpretation. All right. Well, that's like the way I can, read it. Yeah, you can direct the scene however you like. Awesome. Open on me, looking badass, like Ryan Reynolds in the rain. Um, no, I think I think that it would be. Um, uh, I I'm a, I was a huge fan of the Jets. Um, they're like an Australian rock band and they recently, they broke up a while ago, but they recently did a song with um, the bloody beat roots called my name is thunder. And it is a banger of a tune, man. And it like, it, it would be a good, like fighting back song, like starting to fight back and sort of take ownership. It's really good. You should listen to it. Like I, I like when I go running, it's like the song I start with when I go running in the morning because oh, nice. it's like high energy. It's very good Four on the floor. It's amazing. <clears throat> That's awesome. Well, I am not familiar with it, but I'm going to add it to our ongoing Spotify playlist where we keep track of everyone's final girl jams. Well, I'm honored to be one of the play on the playlist. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for joining me, Todd. This was so much fun. Absolutely. I really enjoyed it. I was surprised when you offered just because I'm so public uh, about not reading, (laughs) but I thought it was a lot of fun and I loved the book. So I really, really enjoyed sort of the whole experience of it. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm glad everyone picked this book and it was a good, enjoyable experience for you. Yeah, it was. I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. All right. Yeah. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) 
Books in the Freezer is a bi-weekly podcast. We post episodes every other Tuesday. You can find us on Twitter at Books Freezer Pod, on Instagram at Books in the Freezer, on Facebook at facebook.com slash books in the freezer. You can send us an email at books in the freezer at gmail.com. Show notes for this episode and all previous episodes are at booksinthefreezer.com. So there it'll be all the books that were mentioned, links to the final girl playlist, and a bunch of other things. We are also on Patreon at Books in the Freezer. Another way to support the show is our Amazon link, which will be in the show notes. And that's just doing your basic, like what you would normally get at Amazon. But you don't have to spend any money to support the show. Word of mouth is a great way to support the show and help the podcast grow, let people know about it. And of course, leaving a rating on something like Apple Podcasts is huge and a big boost to ratings and visibility. So thank you to all of you that have taken your time to do that. I'm Stephanie. You can find me on Twitter at Lady underscore Ganya. That's L-A-D-Y underscore G-A-G-N-O-N. On Instagram at That's What She Read. That's That's with two A's. And on YouTube as That's What She Read. So join us next time for Books in the Freezer. (laughs) 